For the sermon today, we'll be hearing the third in the series of 13 sermons taken from the book Sermons on Election and Reprobation by John Calvin. He takes first text, the 25th chapter of Genesis, starting in verse 21. I'm going to be reading from the Continuing with the Old Paths Publications Edition of 1996, and I'm going to use the text as Mr. Calvin used it. And it reads, starting in Genesis 25, chapter, uh, chapter 25, verse 21. Now when Rebekah had conceived, the children strove within her belly. And she said, If it be so, to what end is it? For why do I live? And she went to ask counsel of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, There are two peoples in thy womb, and two nations brought forth out of thy womb shall be divided, of whom one shall be mightier than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. It is a thing that much troubles men's spirits when they see the estate of the world so confused that the most part do manifestly despite God, and it seems that they have conspired with the devil to the end to give over themselves to all mischief. For this is thought a thing greatly against reason, that God should create men to destroy them. Wherefore then is it that he suffers the greatest number so to fall? If it be said that this ought to be imputed not to God, but to those that of their own accord throw themselves so to perdition, yet this makes not one bit to the appeasing of those troubles that we may conceive, for could not God remedy it? Why is it then that he does it not? They that allege a simple permission that God lays the bridle upon every man's neck and that everyone guides himself according to his own free will, yet they cannot well undo this knot. To this effect, why God has not created men of another sort, and wherefore he has suffered that they should be so weak, yea, and inclined to evil and corruption. And seeing that he knew their infirmity, wherefore is it that he does not help them and provide them some remedy? This, therefore, is to entangle ourselves in great torments and troubles. But it is proper that we go yet farther. For it is certain, as the scripture declares, that there is nothing which does not perish, saving that which God preserves through his mere goodness and free bounty. But now, how comes it to pass that God chooses only the tenth or the hundredth part of men? and leaves all the rest, knowing well that they are swallowed up in hell and lost. Wherefore does he not reach out his hand to help them? Yea, why has he ordained them to destruction, as the scripture speaks? For mark the very words of Solomon. Behold a sentence which drives us from such hard questions, and many are therein entangled as it were among thorns. And further... They thrust in themselves so far that they are altogether confounded. But yet there is a temptation far greater. For besides that generality of the world, the same is seen also in the church. That is, that when the gospel has been preached to a whole people, there are then many hypocrites. The others are rebels. Others become wholly brutish in such sort that they profit but very little in this school, although God know to all without exception to whom he speaks. And beyond all these, a man shall find many who through contempt and ingratitude will shut against themselves the gate of salvation and will reject all the graces of God. But men shall find deadly enemies of the doctrine, although they be of the household. And in very deed, the prophet Isaiah, having said that God would gather his church out of the world, 
and that he would have so great a people as should be wonderful. Instead of rejoicing, he afterwards adds, Alas, my bowels. Now by this he shows that when it shall seem that all must flourish and prosper, and that God must be glorified both of great and small, and that his banner must be displayed to gather together the whole world, to the end that with one accord all may serve God. Then he discovers a secret mischief. For the prophet cries not only, Alas, the hands, alas, the legs, but he cries out, Alas, my bowels, as though he would say, This mischief is so rooted in the church that it must be, as it were, mingled of so diverse sorts of men that she must nourish in her own belly her own enemies, as we have seen by the figure in Rebecca. Now what is to be done therein? Everyone sees that if we enter into such fantasies, we cannot have any resolution. And the devil will thrust in himself amongst, to the end, to make us blaspheme against God, or else to put such a bitterness into our heart that we shall seem rather to be blocks of wood than reasonable creatures formed according to God's image, as we do see the experience thereof in many people who do become, as it were, mad and raging against God because they cannot rid themselves from difficulties and doubts. It is necessary, therefore, to search out a remedy. Now, it is true that we cannot exempt fully ourselves from all passions, that at the first blush, and as it were, with some puff, we be not moved and troubled, and that our thoughts do not wander, that we do not conceive many things at random, and that we have not many disputes, both on the one side and on the other, to be short, that we be not tossed, as if there were some kind of tempest and whirlwind which carried us about. We cannot have our spirits altogether quiet, nor so well guided that they shall have no troubles. And this is declared unto us in Rebecca when she says, If it be so, to what end I or why do I live? She desires death, and yet she is the mother of the faithful? She represents the church. Now if this were in her, that bear in her belly the hope of the salvation of the world, what shall be in us? So considering that we have our minds so ready to conceive follies and vanities, and moreover, so ready also to cast us off the hinges, and in the end, so subject to make us storm against God. So much the rather it stands us in hand to search out the remedy. Now, that is here given us in Rebecca. For she beguiles not herself in her sadness. She bites not upon the bridle as many do who stick there, which seek to have no means wherein to content themselves, nor to make them quiet and settled. But they wander this way and that way, and always add fantasies to fantasies, and plunge themselves so deep in their imaginations that the devil afterwards possesses them, and drives them by all violence and fury against God. Rebecca does not so. But when she felt that this was an intolerable grief unto her, she withdraws herself unto God. She inquires of him, and answer was given unto her by and by. She had therefore whereupon to rest herself, when she knew that so was the good pleasure of God, and when she saw that he demanded and that one of her own children should be cut off from the church and the other reserved, she knowing this, it is fitting that she rest there and submit herself thereunto, the thing which she does. For she strives not against God, 
Likewise, we read not that at any time after she murmured, but we see that she hearkened unto God and brought forth children afterwards, and always she rested herself in that which had been said unto her, and set her mind and affection upon Jacob. And why so? Because she knew that he was ordained of God to be the blessed seed, which she had hoped for. So, as she behaved herself more manfully in this respect than Isaac, her husband. Now, this is to show us that when we are in any trouble, we must straightway have our recourse to God. For our spirits are not able enough to know these hidden things. Yea, we see that in the most easiest things in the world, as seems unto us, we shall be many times ravished and astonished. And what shall it be then? When the question shall be of the judgments of God, which are incomprehensible, and which are of so high and profound matter that the Holy Ghost teaches us, instead of curious searching after them, that we must adore them. Shall men presume of their reason, and of that they shall build upon their good liking, and shall they examine all after their own fantasy and opinion? It is certain that such presumption shall not remain unpunished. And it is seen also, for wherefore is it that so many dogs at this day spew out their blasphemies against this doctrine of predestination? It is because they allow not to inquire at the mouth of God, but they will give sentence as their brain will bear. In truth, as though we were fit and sufficient. So then let us follow the example of Rebecca. That is to say, when all these questions shall come before our eyes, and that we shall be tormented on every side in thinking, and how is it possible that the most part of the world shall perish and the rest be saved? How comes it to pass that one is elected and another rejected? How is it that the greatest number go to destruction and that there is but a handful of people which God reserves to himself? When we shall be thus tormented, let us have recourse unto God. That is to say, let us hearken to that which is showed us in the Holy Scripture. Let us pray God that he will open our ears and our eyes to the end we may understand his will. And farther have we this? It profits us altogether to rest therein and to be quiet. For there is no cause of disputing any farther when God has once pronounced this sentence, his sentence. To be short, this is daily to show us that we cannot ever dispose ourselves to receive the instruction of the Holy Scripture and to seek all our wisdom there. Unless we have this modesty and humility in us, not to desire to understand or know anything, but that which is contained therein. We need not any revelation from heaven at this day, as Rebecca had. It is very true that some conjectured that she went unto some prophet, but they were thin sown in the world then, for a man may easily perceive that Melchizedek was dead, and that there was not any more than Abraham and Isaac. This then is a dream, to think that she went to the schools of the prophets, but she had a revelation, as our text here shows. And our, and our condition at this day is not altogether the same, and neither have we also such need thereof. For then there was neither the law nor the gospel. At this day, we have all perfection of doctrine. For God in old time hath spoken unto our fathers, and not in secret, nor in obscurity, says, says Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 19, and Isaiah 48, verse 16. And this was not in vain that he said that men should seek him, as Moses protests. 
Behold the way. Walk in the same. I have set before you this day the way of salvation, and heaven and earth are witness unto me that I have declared unto you what you must do to come unto everlasting life. And afterwards, although God have his secrets, says he in another place, yet notwithstanding this, that is to say the sum of the law is for you and for your children, to the end that you should be taught in the way of salvation. But besides this, we have yet the gospel, wherein our Lord Jesus Christ has shined unto us in all fullness, for he is that son of righteousness. Seeing therefore we have so sufficient testimonies, shall we demand that angels come down from heaven, and that God will yet open unto us that is hidden from us. <clears throat> but let us, as I have already said, content ourselves with the Holy Scripture. And when there is any cause of inquiring after God, if we will have him for our master, let us come to the Holy Scripture and let us remember that which Moses says, Thou shalt not say, Who is he that shall ascend above the clouds? Who is he that shall descend into the depth? Who is he that shall go over the sea? The word of the Lord is in thy heart and in thy mouth, says Seth he. And seeing it is so that Moses has protested this in his time, at this day we have less occasion to wander here and there and to run at all adventure to inquire after the will of God. For as I have already said, the gospel contains all perfection of doctrine and also behold the only mean whereby we may be thoroughly satisfied and have our minds settled and stayed. That is to say that we hearken to God speaking and show ourselves teachable to receive that which he shall say. For it is certain that as he has answered to our mother Rebecca that which he knew to be expedient, so the scripture likewise will not deceive us in this point, for it pronounces clearly and manifestly that God has chosen us in Jesus Christ before the creation of the world, according to his good pleasure, the which he has purposed in himself. There needs no gloss. Behold, God speaks after this sort, that the most rude and ignorant may know that there is contained therein. God then has chosen us, says St. Paul, and hereby he shows that he has discriminated or differentiated us from those which perish. And mark how his mercy towards us has the greater glory. For what prevented that we should not remain in the same perdition that others did, but that God was merciful unto us without any desert of ours? But the better to express all, St. Paul says that he did choose us in Jesus Christ. It follows then that this is out of our persons. If we have been chosen in ourselves, God should have found some matter in us to have been induced to love us and to have been inclined to have called us to salvation. But what? We are chosen without ourselves. That is to say, God had no regard to that we were or might be, but our election is founded in Jesus Christ. And moreover, he yet gives a more ample declaration that is according to his good purpose, which he had determined in himself. It is certain that all that is according to the purpose of man is manifestly excluded. And again, when he says in himself, this is to admonish us that if we would know the cause why, it is as, it is as if we would make an anatomy, an anatomy of God and go even into his heart and sound all his secrets. And can we do this? What high opinion is this? So then, when we shall suffer ourselves to be taught of God, 
it is certain that he will answer us in such sort as shall be necessary for us concerning that which belongs to our salvation. And namely, we shall know that which surmounts all man's understanding, how the one sort are elected and the other sort rejected, and why the one have no doctrine as the papists and other infidels whom God leaves as poor blind ones, and why the other are enlightened through the gospel. And farther, concerning those to whom the gospel is preached, the one receive it with obedience, and they are touched therewith to the quick, and persevere in it to the end. And the other remain blockish, or rather will be full of outrage to strive against God, or else will be fickle, and give themselves over to all iniquity, throwing off the yoke when they shall be brought into the good way. And from where comes this diversity? We must come to this fountain that the Holy Scripture shows us. That is, that the same grace has not been showed to all. So then, behold our true wisdom, that is, that we be God's good scholars, and we shall then be his scholars when we seek to know nothing but that which he knows to be good and expedient for our salvation. And when we shall rest there and learn to bring into captivity all our senses and to keep a hard hand upon them, then say I, if we shall speak of the secret election of God, how he has predestinated those whom he would to salvation, and how he has cast off others, we shall never be troubled. And why so? Because we, having inquired of God's will, we will conclude that we must keep ourselves to that which he shows us, and to that which the scripture imports, where he has given us sufficient testimony of that which he knows to be good for us. Finally, there are so many testimonies of Scripture to certify us of this doctrine that it must needs be that they, that all they that cannot rest there must be, as it were, poisoned of Satan, and that they have conceived the spirit of venom, of pride and rebellion, to the end not to be ordered under the, under the will of God, and that, to be short, they would despite all doctrine and instruction and close up their eyes against the full light, and have their ears stopped, albeit God hath spoken loud and clearly, and that they have occasion to content themselves so much the more. To heap up all the testimonies is not needful, but this is sufficient that we have had a sum, yes, most evident, as I have already briefly showed Again, we have also whereof to bless God and to comfort ourselves in him when we know rightly to apply this doctrine as is proper. For instead of these fanatical and light brains who would seem to be so subtle and sharp in fighting against God and against his truth, instead that they search how they may gainsay him, we must mark how God does satisfy us and to what end he directs this doctrine, and to what purpose he would have it serve us. That is, to know that we are elected, and not all. For in the first place, when we see that we cannot receive the gospel unless it be by the special gift of God, this serves to make us so much the more to magnify his goodness towards us, and to see his just judgment against the reprobate when he deprives them of this doctrine as we see in the, papacy, in the papacy that men are as brute beasts who err and wander through deserts without keeping way or path now concerning us we have sure testimony which ought so much the more to stir us up to esteem this singular grace towards us and also, when we see some that have deaf ears, although it be daily declared unto them familiarly, and that which is required for their salvation be, as I may say, deliberated unto them, 
they continue always in their estate or rather they are not a bit touched and they pass not to give over themselves to all licentiousness of life as it were in despite of God when we see this it is certain that our Lord has so much the more bound us unto him for that it has pleased him to make us feel his goodness and that we have taken such a taste of the hope of salvation which he has propounded unto us that we have renounced the world and whatsoever weakness there be in us howsoever we are full of vices and corruption nevertheless we hate the evil that is in us and we delight in that which is good when then we have this it is certain that if we be not harder than iron and steel we ought to have all rebellion shivered and broken and that we be inflamed with the love of God and have our mouth open to bless and praise that so excellent and magnificent grace which he has showed towards us see then the mark that the scripture sets before us now in the meantime these persons of low and mean disposition will not stick to say oh shall God be an acceptor of persons in truth as if God regarded in his election rich or poor as if he regarded a noble man more than a poor man or a wise man more than an idiot for mark, for mark what it is to accept persons this word person in the holy scripture imports look or countenance as also the scripture uses it but God chooses us not for our fair eyes who is it that differentiates you we alleged yesterday that of St. Paul when God therefore chooses these whom it pleased him it is in his everlasting counsel and in himself that is to say he has his secrets which we ought to reverence without farther inquiry why seeing this is so it is certain that we cannot say that he accepts persons and they which so speak are, speak are dolts besides the malice that is in them now then they will say and how is it that the one shall be saved by faith and not the other if all depend upon the election of God but yet herein they show too gross, be gross beastliness from where proceeds faith itself but from the election of God they say oh the promises of God are general and God calleth all the world to salvation it follows therefore that all the world shall be saved yes he would that all the world should be saved but this is to make the reprobate inexcusable for the promises of God do undoubtedly contain our salvation and we shall not be deceived leaning upon them but what we must know from where the faith is which we have for when the gospel is preached why is it that one sort profit therein and receive it with due reverence and humility of heart and the other do not but rather become worse by it this is for as much as they were ordained to salvation they did believe says St. Luke in Acts chapter 13 verse 48 speaking of the preaching of St. Paul Mark St. Paul who preached it is certain that if ever there were dexterity in a faithful teacher it was St. Paul that had it and yet all were not good scholars there was but one part that received his doctrine from where came this was it of their industry was it because they were better disposed it is very true that God disposes but that this comes not from them St. Luke shows and anticipates here all men's feebleness and says that they which were ordained to salvation believed and Mark also wherefore our Lord Jesus Christ says 
in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 40, that those that his heavenly Father had given him should not perish, but that he would keep them to the end. Now when he says, they which are given me of my Father, he calls us to that eternal election. He says also in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 6, Thine they were, and thou gavest them unto me. And wherefore is it that the one belongs unto God and not the other? This is not in respect that they are mortal men, for our nature is alike. We are all created by one Father, but the one belong unto God and the other are cast off from him because it so pleased him. He acknowledges and accepts the one for his own and the other, although they be his creatures, nevertheless they have no acquaintance with him. He accepts them not of his household inasmuch as he has shut them out from his election. We see then here how faith is a special gift of God which proceeds not from our free will not that we can go of ourselves not that we can of ourselves go forward and that some are more able to comprehend than others but for that it has pleased God to reveal his secrets to those whom he has elected and therefore see also why it is said in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1 who is he that will believe our hearing? For Isaiah had preached of the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, as if he had displayed the banner to declare that everyone should come to be reconciled to God, and that poor sinners should be received to mercy, that their satisfaction and righteousness is altogether ready, and that God desires nothing but to be merciful to those that seek him has Isaiah preached so but he cries out forthwith who will believe our hearing and why so for he saw in spirit the presumption and rebellion of unbelievers because they cannot yield themselves to be ordered by God but are wild and have always their mouth open to reply against God and forthwith they have a wandering fantasy they may not obey. He shows that his doctrine shall not be received of the greatest number and adds the reason that the arm of God, that is to say, his strength and power, is not revealed to all. <clears throat> he shows there that it is not in ourselves that we have either moving or entrance or preparation or anything whatsoever it be, but that it must be God that must work therein. Now, if it be so in general, it must follow then that faith comes from this root of the election of God. Now, touching the rest, when we shall have known this, there is no question that we should bury all that instruction which our Lord has given us in the Holy Scripture. For after that he has declared to us his will, he exhorts us, he reproves us, he threatens us. If we were as these renegade spirits, which say, to what purpose do you preach so much unto us? If God have elected and chosen us unto himself, we cannot perish. And if we be reprobate, what shall all the doctrine that shall ever be heard avail us? Yea, but all agrees very well when we exceed not our bounds. We have already said that faith comes from election. Then, like as God has chosen us, so also he calls us in time, as afterwards shall be handled more at large. For the place will serve there more fitly. But howsoever it be, God is not contrary to himself, and like as he testifies unto us, that it is by his free mercy 
that he enlightens us by the faith of his gospel and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So will he that we walk in fear and carefulness, that we be touched with his threatenings, that we be gathered unto him. All this he wills. And indeed, mark these two sentences, that men with their impudence and rashness would think to be contrary. And nevertheless, they agree very well one with the other. Jesus Christ says in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you, and you shall find rest to your souls. See how we are all bidden by the Son of God, and not only two or three, but all in general. For he says in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 44, Come all you that are heavy loaden. And yet in another place he says, Forgive me, for he says, Come all you that are heavy loaden. Matthew 11:28, I believe, doesn't have the reference. And yet in another place he says, John 6:44, No man can come unto me except it be given him of my Father. None, therefore, can come unto Jesus Christ unless he be drawn by the Heavenly Father. It seems that this is contrary. Yea, he that would judge thereof according to man's reason. To say that Jesus Christ invites us all unto him and further adds that none can come unto him unless the Father draw him. Very well. But as I have already said, when God generally sets salvation before us in Jesus Christ, his only Son, it is to make the reprobate so much the more inexcusable for their unthankfulness, inasmuch as they have despised so great a benefit. In the mean season, the elect are touched, and God does not only speak outwardly to them, but also inwardly. And see why in the Gospel of John 6.44, our Lord Jesus Christ says, Whosoever hath been taught of God my Father, the same shall come unto me. But as I have said, when the gospel is preached in the name of God, this is as much as if he himself did speak in his own person. And yet, all come not to Jesus Christ. There are a great many that go back the more when they have heard the gospel. For then the devil kindles them in such a rage that they are more outrageous than ever before. And this comes to pass because there is a twofold hearing. The one is preaching, for the voice of a man will not enter into hearts of his hearers. I, I speak, but it is fitting that I hear myself being taught by the Spirit of God. For otherwise, the word which proceeds from my mouth should profit me no more than it does all others, except it be given me from above, and not out of mine own head. Therefore the voice of man is nothing but a sound that vanishes in the air, and notwithstanding, it is the power of God to salvation to all believers, says St. Paul. When then God speaks unto us by the mouth of men, when he adjoins the inward grace of his Holy Spirit to the end, that the doctrine be not unprofitable, but that it may bring forth fruit. See then how we hear the Heavenly Father. That is to say, when he speaks secretly unto us by his Holy Spirit. And then we come unto our Lord Jesus Christ. Mark then the sum of that we have to learn. That is, when God declares unto us his eternal election, and that he has given us such a testimony that we cannot doubt thereof. When he has showed us that this is our benefit and salvation, and so that we take not too much liberty to wrangle against him and to enter in crooked and overthwart disputations, that, when, that then the whole 
shall profit us. For it is certain that this is the true rejoicing of the faithful, to be instructed concerning this election of God. Moreover, when we see the wicked to cast forth their cavils against God and their slanders to pervert all, and to bring this doctrine into hatred, let us not think it strange, for it must needs be that they declare themselves to reprobates. I have said that we must rest ourselves in the everlasting counsel of God, whereby he has chosen us and cast off others. If now the reprobate come to fight against the truth of God, it is no new thing, for they are appointed to this. And it must needs be that they declare themselves to be such as they are. And we must call to mind that sentence of Hosea in chapter 14, verse 9 of his book, the which is put in the end of this book, the ways of the Lord are good and right. Also, the righteous will walk in them, but the wicked shall fall therein. Now he adds also, Who is wise that will understand this? And who is a prudent man that will understand these things? The prophet shows that when we speak of the judgments of God, it is proper that we have a special wisdom to receive them. And shall this wisdom be found in all our brains? That is far off. So then, it profits that we have a wisdom given us by the mere mercy of God. Now, that which follows is to show us that this is a rare, a most excellent thing, when men shall be apt to be taught and modest, and that they shall yield to be led by God, and shall suffer themselves to be governed by his word, when they shall receive full instruction, which shall be unto them a good food for their souls. When this shall come to pass, it must be acknowledged to be a rare and singular benefit of God, and must assure us that he has blessed us. And therefore, it behooves that we be armed and prepared against all offenses. If we see that the wicked shall come to push with their horns against God, and to bark, and show their teeth as large, powerful dogs when they cannot bite. Then let us practice this doctrine of the prophet when he says that the ways of God are righteous and good. Yea, and the righteous shall walk in them. We shall always find this so that we have not a malicious and forward spirit that may turn us from God. But let us be quiet and let us ask nothing but that our Lord show us the path that we ought to follow. When we shall be such, it is certain that we shall always find even ground. And there shall be no question that we should walk and take our pleasure. Behold, I say, the joy we shall have when we shall walk in the Lord's ways. But contrarywise, it is said that the wicked shall fall. And where? Shall it be in hell? Shall it be in the devil's way? It is said that it, shall, that it shall be in the very ways of God. That all that shall be set forth unto them of the judgments of God, of his eternal counsel, of this providence, and of his fatherly love, he beareth to his children. In all these, says he, the wicked shall fall. So let us be in such wise established that all the ruins and falls which we shall see before our eyes hinder us not from marching always forwards in that good way which our Lord does set before us. But it profits us oftentimes to remember that which is here handled by Moses. And that is, he says expressly, that the one shall be stronger than the other and the elder shall serve the younger. In speaking of the stronger, it is to show us that when God's election is steadfast and undoubted, and that we are upholden by his Holy Spirit, we must no longer fear. 
And this is a very profitable point. Yes, necessary. For what is our condition? There needs not but one puff of wind to beat us down. And there needs but a fly to dazzle our eyes. And yet we are here laid open to so many combats as nothing more. Behold our enemies, which are in number infinite. And yet, and I speak not of those which we see with the eye, but of spiritual enemies. For the air is full of devils, which lie in wait for us, yea, which are as roaring lions, besides their flights. Alas, what shall we be able to do? It must needs be that we be in distress and vexation continually and without end, and that we be as poor people stricken thoroughly, if we knew not that our Lord has our salvation in his own hand, and that he will keep it. St. Peter says that it is well kept in hope, and that faith is, as it were, a traveling bag, a wallet. But he sends us to God. And our Lord Jesus Christ has yet declared this more plain unto us when he says that all that was given unto him of his Father shall not perish. And why so? The Father who has given you, says he, unto me, says he, is stronger than all. So then, he says that we may rejoice in this, that God will have pity upon us until the end, and that he will keep us. And although he suffer us to stumble, yes, so as we fall, yet we shall be recovered and upheld by his hand. And how is it that we can trust in this? Without election, it is impossible. But when we know that the Father has committed us into the keeping of his Son, we are certain that we shall be maintained by him unto the end. For we have his promise whereby he has bound himself unto us to preserve us. And Father, he makes it until the last day, until the resurrection. And for as much as the beginning and end of our salvation is in him, see in whom we may rejoice ourselves. That is, that in acknowledging our weaknesses and fragility, in acknowledging our brittleness, and that we are nothing, and that we lack all things, yet we may say, the Lord which has called me unto himself will finish his own work as it is said in the 138th Psalm verse 7 Lord thou wilt not leave the work of thine own hands in the midst so then we must hold fast this doctrine that the one shall be more strong for our faith shall remain victorious over all the world and how it behooves us, I say, to have our foundation upon the election of God. That we may be so settled thereon that we know that our Lord, being our Father, will not suffer that we perish, seeing we are his children. Now Moses adds, by and by, that the elder shall serve the younger. In this we have yet a more ample confirmation of that which I touched even now. That is, that we must be so assured of our salvation that we doubt not thereof, although that we be weak and that the world despise us and we have no greater show of strength. And why so? God would that we should for a time be the lesser. That is to say, that we should be little and despised to the end that his glory might be the more known and esteemed. For if we had greatness and glory in ourselves and dignity, it is certain that these should be as veils to shadow the mere and free bounty of God. But when we are weak in ourselves, see wherein it is known that it is he which does all. 
And it must needs be that his hand be in such sort advanced that we come not to mingle ourselves therein and that we throw not forth our clouds to hinder that the praise of our salvation be wholly attributed to him. Mark then that we have here to learn. That is on the one side, although that we be weak, that we cease not to go freely forward, knowing that our strength consists in God. And when he does not fully show it, it is to the end that our weakness should be an occasion to humble us. See this for one principal point. And in very deed, we should be cold, yes, and quite negligent in calling upon him if we knew not our necessity. But when we see that we can do nothing, then we must have our refuge to him who can supply all our wants, our lack, and then we shall render unto him the sacrifice of praise which is due unto him after that we have been heard of him. In the meantime also, we have to know that God does not at the first dash show to the view of the eye our salvation, but it must be hid in appearance, and that for a time we be as castaways, and that the wicked tread us under their feet, and that they be in degree without comparison more high than we. Notwithstanding, let it suffice us that we are as a precious treasure before God. Behold also why our Lord Jesus Christ says, Fear not, my little flock. Fear not, my little flock, but rejoice. And be not as a scattered and discomforted flock. And why so? Because the Father delights in you. Mark then from where we must have all our rejoicing. Mark of whom we must be armed to have victory and to triumph against all temptation. When we see in these days the enemies of the gospel and the devil's supporters to make their brags and make no account of others in comparison of themselves, and when in the meantime they despise us, and not only that, but farther account us as most desperate creatures, as though we were unworthy, as men say, to be eaten of dogs. When therefore we shall see this at this day, yes, that the greatest number shall be as poor starvelings, and that they shall have no bread to eat, that they shall not have their ease nor their commodity, let us remember that, that is here spoken, that the greater shall serve the lesser. Now this service came not to pass at the first dash, for we shall see afterwards that Jacob came to crouch before his brother and called him his Lord. He trembled as a poor lamb before him and then gave him all his goods as a prey. And where, and where was this subjection of Esau? Where was the superiority of Jacob when he submitted himself in such a way? It seems that he gives up all. But he knows that God would not accomplish this at the first day. Mark then why he did bear his poverty so patiently. Because God would, as if a man might say, that he should creep upon the earth. And yet this shall not hinder but that he should always attain to that salvation whereunto he was called. And why so? For God depends not upon all these earthly, earthly things, and which is the more, and which is more, as I have already said, he will that we begin here to humble ourselves before him, following that which I alleged erewhile from the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ, that so we know that our Heavenly Father be well pleased with us, we pass not for the rest, or rather, that we be not so shaken that this do deprave us and bring us out of taste, and so hinder us from doing good, but that we doubt not that amidst all the troubles and griefs that may happen unto us, 
we have always wherein to rejoice. For who shall separate us from the love that God has borne us in Christ our Lord? Seeing that God has chosen us in our Lord Jesus Christ, and that he has called us to the faith of his gospel, and has imprinted in our hearts the testimony of his fatherly love, we will always defy our enemies, although we be poor and feeble, Yea, though we be nothing in the common opinion of men, yet we shall not cease to be grounded upon this promise that the greater shall serve the less and younger. And seeing it is so, let us not desire to be great after the world. For although that we be contemptible and despised, yet this hinders us not from being the heirs of the world. Although we neither have lands nor possessions, yet do all things belong unto us. And contrariwise, the wicked have an horrible and heavy account to make. For that they in such sort devour God's benefits and rejoice so much concerning those riches which he has given them and yet glorify not God in them. But they must pay fully, dearly for them. And as for us, although we be stripped of all riches, that we be in disgrace and reproach, to be short that there is nothing but poverty in us, yet seeing we know that he has his hand stretched out to uphold us, we may boast ourselves against all our enemies. And in the meantime, let us remember that which is said in Isaiah 62, verse 3 that we are as a precious crown in the hand of the Lord, and as the ring of his finger, and as his seal, and that neither Egypt nor Africa, that is to say the greatest monarchies of the world, are so highly esteemed of him as we are, not for any value that is in us, as I have already said, but because it has pleased him to choose us, and to reserve us, in the number of those whom he will have to himself. And we know this, for as much as we see through faith and hope, that he has drawn us from those gulfs in which we were, to the end he might bring us to an everlasting inheritance. Now let us fall down before the face of our good God in acknowledging our offenses praying him that he will in such sort make us to feel them, that it may be to spoil us of all wicked lusts and rebellions, and that we may be so renewed that we may ratify our vocation in living holy, holy and confirming ourselves wholly to his righteousness, and that he will so support us in our infirmities that he suffer us not howsoever we be compassed about with so many enemies that we never fail but that he will supply all weaknesses to the end that his election may declare his power even to the end, and that we may in such sort feel the fruit thereof, that we may have wherein to glorify him both in life and death. And so let us all say, O Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we acknowledge and confess in ourselves as the truth is, that we are not worthy. Amen. This recording is copyright and was made with the permission of Old Pounds Publications and may not be duplicated without their written permission. This Reformation audio resource was read by Mr. Mike Grounds on July 1, 2001 and is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, are available on the web at www.swrb.com The site and catalog contain many classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books and CDs at great discounts. We can also be reached by email. Our email address is swrb at swrb.com Contact us by phone at 780-450-3730 by fax at 
1096 or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Our postal code is T6L3T5. If you do not have a web connection, please contact us to request a free printed catalog. Thank you.